This is Why Libertarian, the show dedicated to telling the stories of libertarians new and old, promoting libertarian values, and fighting against authoritarians, statists, feds, and anyone else who would like to steal your liberty and freedom. I am Matthew Strzok, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this episode. Enjoy. Nothing like a little technical difficulties to get us started this evening. Um, thank you for holding in there. I am Matt. This is Why Libertarian um, coming at you every single um, what is now Monday through Friday. Um, our guest this evening has the honor and the distinction of being the last Friday episode that I'll be doing. Um, we will I, I will be live Monday through Thursday going forward. Um, but so that being said, before we get rolling, got a little bit of business to do. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, share, hit the notification bell, um, retweet, get this out there. Um, have a fantastic interview lined up this evening. So definitely, you know, get this out there so that folks can hear about this candidate um, and and the really important message that he's bringing to the table specifically for New Jersey. Um, a reminder: uh, you can definitely hit me up uh, in my on my link tree down here. Um, we are streaming to. Uh, five locations now pretty soon as soon as a couple of other outlets come on board with their live streaming it will be up to six or seven so you can hit me up anywhere on uh, those streams that I'm throwing out there uh, and watch and definitely if you're watching please you know hit the subscribe follow um, or upvote it for me um, just to help with the algorithm so that the message gets to more people uh, before I get rolling last thing next week uh, awesome schedule coming up uh, Tuesday. I got uh, one of the co-creators of Oriel, which is a blockchain-based uh, podcasting platform, which is fantastic. I have the uh, infamous Jose Galasan from uh, one, one of the uh, core members of the Tower Gang that's out there. And then Thursday, we close down uh, our week of live cast with Josiah Hinkle talking some more natural rights, which is going to be fantastic. So... Um, without further ado, uh, it is my pleasure to bring on the uh, Libertarian Party candidate for the governor of New Jersey running this year in 2021, Greg Neely. Greg, how's it going? Hey, all right, sir. How are you? Good to see you, man. I'm very good. Very good. Uh, so um, before we get rolling, I want to give everyone the information that they need to link up with you after uh, all of this. So I want to make sure that they get that uh, straight. So what is the website for your campaign? Okay, it's uh, www.mealyforgovernor.com, and it's Mealy, my last name, you see on the screen, M-E-L-E, and the word for F-O-R. Awesome. There you go. That's and um, so uh, where else can they follow you? Uh, I think you have social links up here in the top right-hand corner, right? Facebook, Twitter, right. and Instagram? Yep, yep. We've got those accounts all set up, too. Everything tends to uh, repost throughout all of those when we send something out. So uh, also, if you see on the site there, there's a button to sign the petition, another one to donate, of course. Those are critical, especially the petition button right now. Uh, hopefully we'll be done with that real soon and move on to more messaging. Yes, I extremely important right now. And in fact, I'm going to pull up. This is what the petition looks like. So if you are a New Jersey resident, 
please, uh, you know, virtually sign, digitally sign the petition to help Greg get onto the ballot. Um, as third-party candidates, libertarians obviously have to fight an uphill battle against um, two behemoths that are essentially stacking the deck against them. Uh, and one of those first hurdles that they have to get over is ballot access. So please help Greg out by going to the website and definitely click on the um, petition so that you can sign it digitally and make sure that he is on the petition this year. Um, all right, well, you're running for governor. I want to get to your platform, but before that, I, I really want people to get to know who you are as a person before we get to all the politics and everything like that. So sure. if no one has ever heard of you before, you know, who is Greg Mealy? Mm. Well, uh, first of all, lifelong New Jersey resident. Uh, I grew up in Bergen County, then moved to Central, you know, a couple of spots in Union County for a little while, and uh, now out in Somerset in uh, Bridgewater. And um, so been around a you know, couple of different places, but uh, always uh, you know, New Jersey, you know, it was home sweet home, near and dear to my heart. Um, and, you know, as time goes on, it's uh, a little bit sadder for me because I see changes I don't think are in the right direction. And that's been uh, a large motivation for me to get more politically active and to do this run, certainly over the last few years. Um, so I'm uh, trying to uh, reach out to people, find out, you know, what experiences they're having, if they're having the same issues, anything different than that, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, I'm, I want to be the solution for everyone in terms of what we can bring you know, myself and the party uh, to New Jersey to make it a better place for everybody and really also stop the exodus of everybody that's been going on. Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, what do you do for your day job? Well, uh, I've been an attorney now for uh, 18 and a half years, actually. Um, I did uh, finish uh, law school, passed the bar a few years before that, but I had a previous career, which was uh, mostly in Wall Street firms. Uh, I started out with IT, actually. I was a math and science guy, if you can believe, and uh, did some business analysis, uh, project and team leadership, all of that kind of stuff. Again, mostly Wall Street firms. And then uh, uh, made the switch over once I had uh, finished with uh, the school programs and all that kind of stuff and um, had my own office since uh, 2002. And uh, I've been doing the same uh, you know, ever since, a few years in the beginning in Summit and uh, for the last uh, 13 years, I've uh, been in Clark with my office and that's where I am now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and what type of law do you practice? Uh, it's mostly transactional. I do the occasional uh, smaller cases in court, but uh, it's corporate, it's uh, real estate, it's uh, wills, estate planning, intellectual property, a little bit of immigration filings, things like that, kind of all over. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. The, the last kind of fluffy question or the fluffiest <laughs> question, um, home life. What are your what are your hobbies like? And, and you know, married kids, what, you know, two dogs, picket fence. What does that look like? <laughs> all right. So, so I, I am actually in my second marriage. And so is my wife. Um, we both have children from the previous marriages. Um, so I have two girls. She has three boys. So it's kind of a almost reverse Brady Bunch. Yeah. Uh, it's been, <laughs> been challenging, um, yeah. but but it's good. And uh, yeah, my girls actually right now, they're 30 and 28. They're both married, uh, both off on their own. Actually, my younger one, the 28-year-old, is going to make me a grandpa hopefully in June. All goes well. So uh, we're very excited about that at home. Yep. Thank you. And um, uh, my wife's boys, uh, 27, 25, and 17. We have a uh, high school senior about to graduate. 
uh, yeah. move on to college. Otherwise, everybody else is doing their own thing. And uh, so it's the rewarding stage time. Yes. Um, I, I got married uh, the, coming up on our five year anniversary, actually, in June. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's been a great uh, stage in my life. My wife is wonderful. Jenny, if you're watching, you are the reason I'm able to handle all of this. And you're probably the only person who could tolerate all of this. So I appreciate you and love you in every way. Oh, you get you got the brownie points for the day. Good job, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not hard to remember. She's something special. I'll tell you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and uh, what high school did you attend? I was in Paramus Catholic. Actually, I grew up in the town next door, Rochelle Park, a uh, small town up in Bergen County. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. 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 Yep. All right. Um, enough of the fluffy stuff. Let's talk about actual New Jersey politics here. Absolutely. Um, you're running for governor. Um, what has that looked like up until now? Um, you know, you're, you've been named the Libertarian Party candidate early as compared to basically the other parties. I mean, we pretty much know who the Democrats going to be. Um, but, you know, what has your campaign looked like up until now? And, you know, what what is that next level? What are you getting to into the future here? Okay. Well, uh, I should start, I guess, with that one by saying that um, it was uh, August last year, actually, when I first announced internally to the party that I would make this run or mm. seek the nomination. Essentially, at that point, uh, nomination was formalized in March, and it was all you know, great experience at our convention. So, um, uh, you know, I um, I told people as part of my acceptance at that uh, at that uh, vote that uh, you know I basically owed everyone in the party for you know showing the support for me, um, including actually for months leading up to that even. I had uh, close to 30 people on my campaign team, and they've been just phenomenal at uh, putting in all kinds of work and trying to get the messaging out there, get everything set up with the infrastructure. Uh, really talented team, and uh, so I, I do pay homage to them. Um, and uh, getting to the nomination, I basically said, uh, well, I owe all of you in the party the fight of my life and that's what i pledged to give for this uh to, to this run just to show my appreciation i mean a lot of folks in the party are just wonderful people they've moved me they've touched my heart and um you know as with the rest of the state i, I just want to do the best job that anyone can do for everyone and make this you know the the envy of every other state basically which yeah it, it's hard to get that reputation as new jersey everybody kind of pokes a little fun here and there but um you know, it uh, it has been a great place over time. It's just it's it's going in the wrong direction, and we have to make a lot of changes and get back to yeah. where we should be. Yeah, definitely. And and I I appreciate the fact that you said you're going to fight like hell because um, we 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 need it. I, I think you know there's been a certain level of almost complacency that has set in um, in New Jersey, and so we definitely need that fight. Um, what what would you say is I or or let me start with this. The most pertinent thing on most people's minds is COVID, the lockdowns, everything like that. What's your perspective on what transpired here in New Jersey? And then what's the what's the better solution? What's the remedy? Yeah. Well, as far as what's been going on, I mean there's been a lot of fear put out there between the governor and the media that um Everyone has to lock down to stay safe. Uh, they almost talk like there's like a huge radiation cloud traveling down the street. And if the wind blows in your direction, you're going to get deathly ill. Mm. And I mean, look, you know, everybody knows, you know, the, the virus is real. 
people have passed away, an inordinate number of people, and everyone regrets that loss of life. But um, there's also a chunk of that, at least in New Jersey, attributable to the governor's actions. I mean, he he basically was like lockstep Murphy uh, following Governor Cuomo in New York. Yep. And there was also a lot of uh, just you know, reacting in the fear base versus looking at the science. And everything was, you know, we have to stop you from doing all different things and including making a living, which is also very difficult for people. So in in the method that's been used by Governor Murphy, I mean, he basically made us the top rated uh, state as it is for COVID deaths, which yep. is a horrible disgrace. And it just shows that the, the lockdowns don't work. And also, I mean, among our team, we have a phenomenal statistician, biostatistician, who has taken a look at the data all the way through and it bears out time and time again that uh, the more lockdowns, the more mandates, the more suffering and death that, that people go through. And that's why we're leading that category, sadly. And yeah. so day one, task one for me is to end the lockdown mandate across the board. Um, there, there's rarely, if ever, a call for emergency powers of the government governor um changes should go through the normal legislative process and so i would be abolishing that and seeking to make it a permanent thing that basically you know we're going to go back to life as normal where you know rather than mandates i mean our our party stands for and i certainly stand for the idea that you know we're all grown-ups we can all make our own intelligent decisions we can get fully informed and we can make the right call for ourselves and for some people that is you know stay at home and you know stay away from people and you know, work at home or whatever options might be there and for some people it's you know we have to get out and do things i mean i've i've very had had a very limited time where i minimized my time going to the office maybe a month or two that i was coming in two to three days a week and trying to pick a couple of days a week where i could bring work home not have any meetings that was april and may and by june it's like there's no way i can stop coming in every day i yeah. i had people with you know significant needs that I had to be there for. And um, I wasn't going to sacrifice them because of my concerns. I just I you know, voluntarily took all the safety precautions that made people comfortable enough to come and see me and get their life moving and keep things going the way it had to be. And that's how it should be. It should be the individual's decision. It's how many of my policies stack up. Yeah. So would you be an advocate for the legislature um, taking official action to limit executive power? That That's the way it should be, and yes. So, you know, certainly that's what I would advocate for. And certainly if I can get in office, I will be putting forth legislation to achieve just that and asking for the vote on it. I and mean, I would be you know, making all kinds of recommendation to say, we, we have to make this change. This is for the better of the state. Uh, I'm, I am the antithesis of a power grabber. Uh, I am never going to be looking to take personal power in a position of mine at the expense of anyone. I, yeah. I, I run my whole life sacrificing my personal situation for, for others so that they can be better off. And I'm not about to change. Yeah, no, that that is extremely refreshing because I don't think I've ever heard someone, at least at least of all in New Jersey politics, saying mm -hmm. that they want to get into an office and then immediately advocate for the limitation of powers of the office that they're getting into, which I, I think is it, it's it's more than refreshing. I mean, it's 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 needed. It's crucial because of the the power grabs that have happened. As Look, of it, it's the right thing to do, period. Yeah. And that's why I'm standing for it.
That's fantastic. Um, really quick reminder before we go on to the next topic, uh, to everyone watching, you can ask questions and comments for Greg. So if you do have any questions about him as a candidate or, um, you know, harken back to, uh, you know, the, the fluffy stuff that we talked about at the beginning, definitely, you know, share your comments and questions with him. I'm going to allow one of our questions to lead us into the next topic. So uh, Dr. Mike Guadagnino uh, has asked, how will you help children and parents in lesser schools have the same opportunity as kids in better school districts here in the state? Okay, yeah, that's uh, certainly one of our sweet spots in the campaign. Uh, we are promoting heavily for school choice. Um, and uh, again, a, a form of uh, free market competition of sorts. Um, right now, we have a school system which is failing this past year. Um, I mean, basically, the kids have been on summer vacation for over a year now. And yeah. uh, I mean, I see it firsthand in many instances and, and, and hear about it from others consistently that um, the, the days are extremely short. They're, they're online in most cases completely. Um, there's no rigor. Kids are even able to turn off their cameras and get away with that without being marked absent or whatever it is, which I mean, you know, they're not doing the work when they're yep. they're not able to be looked at like that. Um, I mean, I see kids playing video games on their other machines and while they're basically just letting the speaker let them know when the class is over so they can jump on just to say goodbye. And um, you know, it's just not the way that you learn and it's not the way you prepare for future life. I mean, it's all, it's all fun and games and a big joke right now for them, but the students are gonna realize later on that they're not as well prepared for a world that is not gonna be you know, merciful to them. It's gonna hit them like in the, in the face like a brick the reality that they're they're really not prepared. So uh, you know, we want the the primary focus of our school choice is the whatever tax revenue is collected to go to to a student for education follows the student wherever they go. So if the student is not in the public school system, the public school system has to work with less, and that's the way it should be. I mean, right now, especially, I mean, you know, on the one side, I will say we have a lot of great teachers here. Uh, I think they're shackled by centralized administrative policies as to curriculum and methods and all this kind of stuff. They have to be turned loose to do what they know how to do best. The administrators simply don't know as well as the teachers how to deal with that classroom full of kids and get them to learn and, and also be interested, driven and motivated to learn. And on the other side of it, the administrative side, it, I mean, Every example I've come across, they're just so heavily bloated with layers of administrative red tape and, and, and organization that's not necessary. And um, you know, just that part is why our property taxes are out of control, which could also segue us, by the way, into something else. But but uh, basically, I mean, that that's being collected where we're not getting the return for the dollar. The, the ROI is horrible. For what yep. the schools are doing right now now i know traditionally new york school sorry new york new jersey schools have been you know performing pretty well relative to the country but on an international level i mean you can go back as far as when the department of education was formed federal and state that uh, i mean we used to lead the world in everything now we're what I, i'm wondering if we're even below 30 now because we were certainly in the upper 20s a few years back yeah. uh at best and it's it's clear that the system is not working anywhere in this country, really. But yeah. of course, my focus here is New Jersey. Now, we have to be more 
vigilant on making sure that the education the kids are getting is getting them ready for the future. Yeah, no, that's that's extremely well said. And um, I agree with you. I, th I think, you know, competition breeds better performance overall. Right. Um, and so um, I, I have a couple uh, like follow up questions that kind of bridge the gap between these first two issues. Mm -hmm. The first of which has to do with homeschooling. New Jersey is an extreme, it's an enigma in a country and, and technically such a blue state that is so, um, you know, dominated politically by, you know, public sector unions and the like, um, that in New Jersey, homeschooling is extremely easy, right? You, you don't have to register or anything like that. There's no like specific curriculum. You don't have people that are basically looking over your shoulder every 15 seconds. Um, are you in favor of homeschooling? And would you, you know, defend the freedom that parents have now in New Jersey to homeschool if they want to? Right. And, and it's the same as the school choice with vouchering for other schools or, or tax credit toward a private school, possibly, if that will make a difference in affordability. Uh, the same thing for homeschool. It's it's the money follows the student. As long as that is the case in one form or another, that's how we're going to get the best return on our investment. And so, yeah, I mean, to the extent of the parents who have the ability to homeschool teach themselves, or you know, it could be even a collection of parents that say, we're going to hire an accredited teacher, but we're all going to just pay privately to that teacher to have a small class at one of the houses or whatever it is, whatever arrangement works. You know, as long as we have talented people that are teaching, you know, things that are certainly going to be essential for the students to you know, survive out the workforce at some point, you know, that's really the enablement that we need to do as a government in the state. Yeah, no, fantastic. That's um, all right. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of going down. My, my wife is very much into we have homeschooled kids. So she's very much into asking about homeschooling and then also about medical freedom. So that's going to be my follow up this next thing. Right. Um, whether it's returning to school or just returning to life pre covid, um, there has been a ton of uh, drama that is around the covid vaccines as well as these vaccine passports. Um, where do you stand, whether it be, you know, returning to school or whether it be returning just to kind of life in general in New Jersey? Where do you stand on COVID, you know, COVID vaccine mandates and uh, the COVID vaccine passport idea? Right. Certainly, I, I don't agree with the mandate. I think um, and we, we already have a lot of vaccine that we take as, as young children. And you know, there's there's. A limit to that and um, I mean to the extent that um, you know people have concerns certainly about this vaccine now it's relatively new there's not a lot of long-term history to go by yet and um, people are just barely getting educated enough to make an informed decision I think mm -hmm. to some degree they're part of the research if they take the vaccine but you know hopefully uh, I mean, hopefully all goes well for the folks who decide to do that and again you know if you want to take the vaccine, it's your prerogative. If you don't want to, it should also be your prerogative. And the whole thing about the passport thing that concerns me is uh, the impact on ability to live for someone who it takes the choice they should very well have not to take the vaccine. I mean, it, yep. it's 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 ripe for abuses and for people to be you know kept from their full potential as well just because of a personal decision as far as i see it it's personal
Yeah, no, I, that that's definitely right to the heart of you know individual freedom and liberty. So I I, I appreciate both of those positions. Um, uh, and and you alluded to this next question yourself. Maybe you saw the comments that were the lead up to this. Um, I'm actually going to put two comments up on the screen before I ask you the question, or or the second comment is basically the question. But um, okay. so uh, Ranson Whiskey says, how do you plan to fight the mafia known as the NJEA and stop the hemorrhaging of money that comes from property taxes that go to school districts? I think we talked about school choice, and that's a, a huge. You know, that's a huge impact right there in the very, you know, beginning in terms of getting a control of those costs. Yeah. And the second question, which is kind of in line with that, is um, Frankie tuning in. Frankie um, involved in the LP and involved in your campaign. So she's mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. to support you. And she also yeah. has a question from her mom. She said, Greg, my mom wants to know what you'll do to lower her taxes. Right. So, yeah, I mean, certainly people in the state know that a large chunk probably the largest chunk uh, of their property tax goes to the school districts and yeah. again you know if we if we can be more efficient by having more options where there's competition things will get streamlined things you know the the bloated organizations will be trimmed to to stay competitive and that's going to reduce that big chunk right away we also have a teachers union like the last you know, the previous comment mentioned that uh, i mean I, I won't call them mafia, but basically they are, you know, trying to take in as much funding as they can. And even like like now, I mean, the teachers are teaching half a day or less and um, you know, they're still getting paid the same. The, still, the budget is still the same. The property taxes are certainly not being reduced to accommodate or account for, I should say, the, uh, the reduction in the work being done. And uh, meanwhile, that also gives the union their share that they can then use to, guess what, contribute to their friend, you know, Governor Murphy, who is enabling them to stay on these lockdown scenarios, uh, probably more significantly possibly than any other area now as far as the ability to, uh, to limit the work and, and certainly the time face to face. So it's, it's all a vicious cycle that has to be broken by getting the union to not just, you know, on a more sort of, I'll call it greedy and selfish angle, you know, support the union and the pen, you know, gathering funds for the pension, but also see that at the sacrifice of the children and the families and even the teachers themselves, yeah. uh, the union is really bloating the administrative uh, budgets. So they're the ones that are benefiting, but it's at a huge cost to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's I, I, I think if you don't know, if you don't live in New Jersey, you, you don't necessarily understand this concept. There are some places outside of New Jersey that they understand, New York being one of them, right? Um, which, by the way, um, you, you know, you had a little slip up and said New York schools because recently you were on with Larry Sharp. And so after yeah. everyone's done watching this, definitely go watch <laughs> the Larry Sharp uh, episode because that was also fa a fantastic interview. Mm. I think he calls his segment, what? Uh, libertarian candidates getting coffee or something libertarians drinking coffee live yes and yes, i did have yeah, yeah. my i did have a cold can coffee so yeah i was, I was qualified but <laughs> yeah. um yeah that's a good segue though matt i appreciate that thanks for the uh coverage of the slip there yeah no that's okay no you you got in just under the wire with the cold coffee too so like that's yeah. all right we'll allow it <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah. um yeah i like 60 percent of our property taxes are 
uh, dedicated to school districts. And um, that percentage continues to increase over time uh, because of some of these dynamics. So um, (laughs) not to mention the fact that um, if if folks knew what we paid in property tax, you know, folks in Louisiana or, you know, uh, Nebraska, if they knew what we paid in property tax, they'd have a heart attack, I think. Yeah, Um, Yeah. lead the nation again. See, it's always that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's the one thing you don't want to be the best in. <laughs> I'll tell you that much, or right. one of the things. Um, so let me ask you: Are there other ways that we can affect, affect, positively affect the the overtaxation that we have going on in New Jersey? Well, uh, also the uh, the Medicaid system is. Uh, draining a lot of funds and um you know some of some of the red tape there has to be whittled away or eliminated basically um some of the um you know right to uh try uh proposals i think are are a big help in terms of just giving the public options for anything they need to to do to try to help a medical condition or, or save a life or whatever it might be for themselves or their families or whatever else. And, you know, just by having that, it's, it would seem to me that it would also necessitate again, in a competitive sort of environment, the current red tape to be whittled down and, and not require so much of the funding there, which is another cost coming out of our taxes. So uh, that's gotta be made more efficient as well. And yeah. uh, you know, again, the right to try, I mean, I think that's also essential to liberty and the fact that um, you know, if a person is you know, informed about an option, even if, for example, you know, if something is not approved by the FDA yet, but it's been approved elsewhere and is in use and, and you know, results are good and, and the data is there to suggest it and it's just the red tape of the FDA or, or other you know, governmental body that's holding it up here. You know, lives are being lost while we wait for that. And yep. that that can't be allowed to be the norm. And it's yep. just been the norm too, way too long. Yeah. And and I can say from from firsthand experience working in the health insurance industry as well, um, that regu- that regulation causes some de facto monopolies and oligopolies as well mm-hmm. within the healthcare networks. Um, and so, which, which, you know, as most people could imagine, is not good for pricing. It, it's the yeah. exact opposite of that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So now, um, let me ask you this. So, uh, actually, we have a couple of comments here. I'm just going to throw up really quickly. They have to do with the the former conversation that we were having. But um, yeah, 2018, 4.5 million dollars. Um, mm. Donated to Murphy's campaign from the NJEA, yeah. so that just yeah. goes to show everyone how you know strong that union is in terms of its political influence. Yeah. Ransom and how much, saying, "Oh, sorry, sorry go and, ahead." Be, go and ahead. how much also Murphy's in their pocket and vice versa. So yes, just, yes, yep. Yeah. You know, it's a rigged game. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, Ranson Whis- Whiskey saying, uh, "Folks do know how bad the property taxes is. That's why not very many people move here." Um, yeah. I, yeah. What 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 would you say to someone who is at that point where they're like, look, I just I can't do it anymore, right? Like I've I've been in New Jersey for a long time or most of my life, it's just too expensive. Everything's continuing to go up. You know, what what would you tell that person? Yeah, and it's it's sad that yeah. I mean, I I can say personally, I mentioned on Larry's show also that uh, I mean, in the last year and a half or so, I've had at least fifty close friends virtually going back to, uh, you know, grammar school, uh, leave the state 
because it's just simply there's no way to sustain certainly any kind of retirement plan or anything like that. We're leading the nation for a few years now in departures for individuals looking for some place where they can have a better quality of life and, and that their finances can manage much more easily. And um, it's also small business that's, if not folding completely, you know, heading for the border to get out of the state to go somewhere else where it's more affordable, less taxation. We have the most business unfriendly state regulation in the country. And that's the root of a lot of problems also, because if you let business thrive, first of all, you're going to have more employment, more people are going to have more opportunities to, to train and, and educate themselves to make their own living. So they don't have to be the government's lapdog dependent on the fish for a day. They'll learn how to fish and they will take care of themselves and their family much better. And that's far better solution than the government handout and the dependence. And uh, so we want to enable the individuals have a better quality of life for themselves, also have the opportunities to, to pursue those dreams of you know b- building a business from the ground, you know, employing people, you know, all these things that really make things work well. I mean, we have a really educated workforce overall that you know is very talented. They can do anything. And we just have to stop getting in the way. We have to enable with the training and education and otherwise we have to remove the obstacles let them do what they can do best and this economy would then thrive it would be on fire oh yeah and uh so where do you stand on say like um you know vacate vocational licensure and permits um do you think that that brings any value to the table or is it a net negative yeah i mean you know there there's certainly you know for some fields you need some educational uh background to know what you're doing yeah to me if you if you learn the trade, then if you go out and if you don't follow the protocols that you learn and you mess something up, I mean, you don't belong in that business and that will show itself uh, you know, to go through a whole other layer of this, again, bureaucracy, bureaucracy and red tape just to, to pay the state basically for the right to work. I mean, I don't understand why that would be healthy for the economy. I think you know, yeah. people need to get out there and do what they do. And, you know, the ones who survive will do a good job and people will recognize it. Yeah. And and with the state of technology, I mean, whether it be Yelp or Google reviews or Facebook reviews or anything like that, the, yeah. the, the ability for someone to get, you know, background information on the quality of service from an individual, it, mm-hmm. it's there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so these things are just, you know, they're basically barriers to entry for poor folks is essentially what it is, you know. Exactly. Um, and any kind of licensing fees are always going to hurt the poor more. It's it's not a progressive system in that respect. It's a barrier to entry. Yeah. Just like you said. Most definitely. Most definitely. So, um, all right. Let me touch on something. So, New Jersey is um, – New Jersey is a very difficult state when it comes to constitutional rights. Um, we are one of those states, unfortunately, where the leadership uh, many years feels like constitutional rights are negotiable <laughs> um, and that nothing is absolute. Uh, and so um, you are and I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play something here for everyone. This is one of my most favorite. If you can have a favorite political ad, this is one of my most favorite political ads 
I've ever seen in my 39 years on this planet. Um, but so I'm going to play the ad and I'm going to ask you some questions about it, um, both in sure. terms of, you know, the making of it as well as kind of your policy position. So um, mm -hmm. everyone enjoy this and make sure to share this video because you should tell people to come to, you know, timestamp, you know, 38 minutes or so and watch this. This is amazing. I'm Greg Mealy and I'm the Libertarian candidate for governor of New Jersey. And I'm Nicholas Magner, Legislative District 4's Libertarian candidate for General Assembly. We're out here for some target practice today to show you guys just how committed we are to a person's natural right to keep and bear arms. I will fight for nothing less than constitutional carry. All laws are infringements. Phil Murphy has been abusing executive orders to kill small business, murder elderly in the nursing homes, and continue to strip away your freedoms as governor I'll work to abolish all executive action and stop enforcement of all gun control measures, period. What I have in my hand is New Jersey's gun legislation. I couldn't think of a better way to respect our Constitution than using this as target practice. Other candidates claim to be pro-2A, but I promise you, no one is more serious about your sovereignty than the Libertarian Party. Stop contributing to the downfall of New Jersey. Vote for freedom. Vote Libertarian all the way down your ticket. I, lo I love that ad. That's absolutely fantastic. So one of the Who both, was that guy? The, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I, I had the pleasure of interviewing Nick. Nick's a good friend. I interviewed him a couple weeks back on the show. Um, I love the fact that you two are willing to take a stand on this issue because New Jersey is completely polar opposite to that viewpoint. It is very anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment, or at least, you know, extreme restrictions on the Second Amendment, um, uh, as far as like, uh, let me ask you first about in terms of like shooting the commercial. Um, mm -hmm. How was that process? Did you have fun doing that? Like, you know, what was it like the day of? That was a great time. Yeah, I mean, we um, we got it organized very quickly. Uh, Nick had uh, the initial contact with the uh, production crew, and uh, so I came along and uh, found out what was happening. And part of the part of the campaign promise I made in the beginning too was support my down ballot partners mm. in the candidacies. So um, it was a great opportunity to show Nick in, in particular, and hopefully the rest of the down ballot who saw it, that um, you know I'm going to be all over the place this year. I'm going to be helping out as much as I can with everybody. And um, so it was a great day to get out there. Uh, actually, I'll tell you that um, I had several missed opportunities. I had never gotten to fire a gun until that day in yeah. all my years, which is still amazing to me that like, it just, you know, it was, like I said, a few chances along the way that just never seemed to work out schedule wise and whatever. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty exciting also for that part of it for me. And, um, yeah. you know, I was incredibly impressed in particular with the concern for safety, uh, with everyone in the crew there. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, they taught me everything I needed to know to be a, an incredibly responsible gun owner. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not an owner yet, but I've 
know, considered it in these last, you know, several months or, or a year, uh, like I hadn't really thought about before that. And, um, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I'll be responsible for it. And um, that's, that's the key point that, uh, I mean, for some areas of the state, admittedly, it's a hard sell. But, you know, to say that, you know, the people who are responsible with their gun ownership, they do a great job of, you know, protecting their families when something does happen. And um, also, you know, they, they promote the idea that, you know, this is not something to be afraid of. This is something to, to treat with the responsibility and respect it deserves. Mm. But um, I mean, I've said starting a long time ago, I, uh, I do not consider the bill of rights above my pay grade. So and I just want to make sure people are clear on the differences between me and governor Murphy and mm. I, I think it favors my own candidacy, quite frankly. So um, the the day of the shoot, though, otherwise, I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was really interesting stuff. It was a great time, you know, creative ideas and, and really trying to drive home that message to the public. Yeah. And and um, look, I'm not even going to mention them because I, by name, but the other party that's out there, um, I mean, they're essentially the right wing of the Democratic Party here in New Jersey. Um, yeah. They have done the two way community no favors. Yeah. Uh, over the last several decades, yeah. Um, yeah. and so you know, to that extent, I'm 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 excited to have uh, a, a, at least a couple of candidates that are brave enough to be yeah. able to make that statement that they are unabashedly pro the Second Amendment. So um, yeah. I'm 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 really proud of that. Yeah, yeah I want to I want to also mention since you talked a little bit about that. Yes, of course, there's a third candidate out there. We we hope to consider them as a non-factor, but. A uh, little bold, but uh, I'll make that prediction. But um, yeah, we've we've talked about that. Uh, basically, the front runner on the other side is uh, a clone of Murphy, basically. And uh, you know, he's a big statist. He's he's very right, uh, very sorry, left leaning. And uh, so I tell folks, as far as like splitting vote and stuff, because of course the libertarians hear about that all the time. Oh, we're splitting the vote somehow and affecting the result. Well, actually, that that's great when we affect the result. I'm very proud of that. And I'll, you know, cry all the way to the bank for those other folks who, who lament that. But um, the way I see it, all the statists in New Jersey, if we have such a blue state, maybe let's say, you know, it's about 60 percent because, I mean, Murphy, I think, was close to that last time yeah. uh, with his result. So, OK, if they have two statists to pick from, you know, let them split that 30 and 30 and I'll just take the rest and you know, go home with the, with the trophy. So yeah. no problem. <laughs> Call it a day. <laughs> exactly. Yep. We're ready. Yeah. I, I think um, that that is an, that is a very important thing for folks to understand if they're outside of New Jersey is just that the, the the choice between the two, you know, major party candidates that are out there or, you know, at least the the, the better funded machines that are out there. I, mm -hmm. it, it's very little difference. I mean, they, they both believe in wielding the government. They just disagree on a couple of the finer points. But, you know, they, they are, you know, like we said earlier, they would never stand in front of you and tell you that they were going to get elected to an office and then advocate to, you know, neuter the powers of that office that, that they were running for. Um, you know, they're just going to tell you how they use it different. And I, I'll tell you, uh, at every level, when, when we see candidates every year, it seems like worse and worse candidates get put up by the duopoly. And um, you know, people get more and more disgusted, and they're more and more vocal about it. And uh, we're seeing a big shift. I mean, people weren't happy, for example, at the presidential level in 2016. They weren't thrilled with the candidates. They were not you know, top-notch 
know, candidates by any stretch. And um, but you know, the traditional kind of, OK, you know, we're afraid to go third party, though, you know, took much more root then. And um, after the election, which was a historical pattern for third parties like ours, mm-hmm. is you know, there was a drop off in ac- active membership right after that election. I mean, people get excited for the season and then some just go back to you know, sort of everyday life. They take the winter off kind of thing and we see a drop off. Yep. I will tell you that uh, for this past November election, the Libertarian Party hasn't had any moments since then where the membership has gone down. Uh, we've had a steady continuance of enthusiasm and momentum. And part of it is the disgust with the duopoly in these past several months on both sides and part of it is also that we have kept the party active too so i think you know people are seeing like we haven't taken a winter break there's been stuff to do the entire time you know since before last november's election and uh you know people are getting energized and and it's it's getting further and further i see you know I and mean, i've had a couple of cases for example i had uh, clients that mentioned to me, oh, I was talking to my friend and I said, yeah, you know, actually my attorney is running for governor. And they said, oh, who's his, what's his name? And they they said the name and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, I heard something about him. And <laughs> like, you know, the word is out there and it's, we just have to keep pushing and pushing the word out as far as we can reach it. And I have all the faith in the world that people are going to see by and large that ours is the best message and the best plan. Yeah, most definitely. It's it's um, the the number of people that are waking up, you know, mm-hmm. I call it whatever you want. Like some people call it red pilling. Some people call it, you know, waking up or, or getting out of the matrix, you know, unplugging. Mm-hmm. Uh, tons of people are waking up and we've seen that, you know, the 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 growth in membership in the Libertarian Party has outpaced the Republicans and Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that is you're right. The the momentum is there. It's it's continuing yeah. the way forward, which is fantastic. Um, a, a final call. If you're watching live, um, you know, if you have final questions or comments, please throw them into the chat. Now, I'm going to throw one up. And this is in line with something else that's been a gigantic headline as of late, as well as a constant since late 2019 and early 2020 has to do with, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement has to do with police militarization, as well as, you know, the the uh, qualified immunity. Um, You know, speaking of gun safety, what are your thoughts on the militarization of police in the state? Um, Example being small towns with, you know, um, MRAPs and full body armor and basically, you know, right. troops that look like they're gearing up for war um, when they're supposed to be essentially, you know, community police officers. Um, yeah. what, what, what's your take on the state of that? Yeah, well, so so a big dividing line, I think, throughout the Libertarian Party, certainly with me, is you know, it's one thing when you're a private gun owner and you're protecting your home and all this kind of stuff. When it turns into the public sector, the government, mm-hmm. it's a different ballgame. I mean, I think, uh, well, part of the problem with the situation with the police in general, too, is that we have all these laws that are victimless or you know, trivial situations. They're really a money-making machine to make up for irresponsible spending in the budget, Yep. Right, frankly. So you know, if we could stop the overspending, the drunken sailor spending, and be more reasonable with that, you know, it would be less tempting to put laws on the books or keep them there that are really useless and and 
only served to escalate situations that didn't need to be situations in the first place. I mean, we you know we certainly stand for as the Libertarian Party the the NAP principle, the non-aggression principle that says that you know you can you should be able to live your life the way you want to live it as long as you're not impacting others in a negative way and letting them live their lives, right? So so we do care, of course. You know, if somebody commits a violent crime against somebody, you know, we want them pursued, arrested, prosecuted, if if guilty, con- you know, convicted and, you know, uh, punished for it. Uh, but um, if it's something where, you know, no one's getting hurt, it's consensual activity between people, whatever it might be, you know, a police officer coming onto the scene just instigates a whole bunch of problems that don't have to be and in fact we hear from several police officers that they don't want to pursue some of these you know crimes that they're being told to pursue because it just leads to trouble it's not worth it and you know again other than the money that people are pocketing in the government to be able to spend like crazy so if we could get rid of all that stuff and get rid of the temptation for the money machine then you know we would have an opportunity to not have to have the police doing all this militarization, we wouldn't have a justification for it. We would be able to stop it. And that's the thing. I mean, it is wrong and it just needs to be stopped. I mean, yes, you know, they're going to have bad guys. There's always going to be bad guys to pursue at some level, but they don't need to be like, like the military coming in to abuse that. And also certainly for decent people who are just making life choices that somehow, you know, has been uh, tagged as not uh, not acceptable to others yep. that are in a position to make the rules. So, you know, everybody over 18 is an adult. They should be treated as one. They should be able to do whatever they consent to. I mean, they should be fully informed. I think that certainly part, a big part of the government's role should be providing information for people so they can make educated choices. Once that's the case, the back, the government has to back off and let the yep. people make those choices. And even if something can be harmful for example so what i mean that's what being an adult is is being able to make those choices and you know what if it becomes too harmful they're going to seek a way to stop doing that or just stop doing that depending on how easy it is if there's an addiction problem we should have some of the funding that we have in the government for treatment we shouldn't be criminalizing these people and one thing by the way i want to mention along that line because it brings up the question of the marijuana and and the vote that we had in november to legalize uh overwhelming two to one in favor of legalization was the vote oh you froze up a little bit i greg took the words out of my mouth i was going to go right to the legalization piece hopefully i can uh get him back here but uh hold on do i have him back let me pull them out and put them back into the stream, see if we can get them yeah. back here. Oh, I got I you, Greg. Myself. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you froze up a little bit on my end. So um, you you were transitioning perfectly. It's like uh, I, I'm 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 gonna have to make a donation because you uh, did so so well uh, doing there that transition. <laughs> um, yeah, the the legalization, yeah. overwhelming support, right? Um, yeah. But first of all. Did it happen quickly enough? Okay, and then also, did the actual legalization that was passed go far enough, in your opinion? Well, well, there's a couple of problems. So, yeah, we had that vote, and I was about to say, you know, sometime in January, I saw a statistic that six thousand arrests or so had been made for possession after the November vote up until that point, and that doesn't make any sense. I mean, the the fact is, the first thing that should have happened 
the day after the election was to release all the nonviolent defenders that were in prison already. Mm. That's that's going to be my day one task number two after ending the lockdowns is to release all those folks immediately. Mm. Get I mean, if they need if they do need treatment for anything, get them the treatment, get them back to being productive members of society and supporting their families and having better quality of life as it should be. They should not be criminalized. If they have a problem with any kind of substance, for example, it's a medical issue. It's not a criminal issue, in my opinion. Mm. So that's one thing. The other thing is, yeah, I mean, it's been taking a while to get to the point of some kind of legislation that can function. And even with that, the uh, requirements for qualifying for a license, essentially, here here goes that word again. But you know, the people who are going to get that is guess who, you know, the top 10 CEOs that in the state that are Murphy's cronies that are yep. going to be able to benefit the barriers to entry to the little guy are just incredibly high. And uh, it's it's like it didn't do anything at all. It's really still illegal for all the folks that were looking to make some kind of life out of this. And um, also the costs, the fees, all this kind of stuff, the taxation that's going to occur. You know, this is a problem that's occurred in a few other states where the taxation was set so high, it really didn't make it available <laughs> yeah. anyway. So you were really back to square one. So, uh, you know, those are the things that have to be you know, put aside and, and not part of the picture in order to make yeah. this right. I mean, everybody voted yes for a reason, and it wasn't to make it so exclusive that it's really no improvement at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's something also that has become all too common and it's and it's really uh, I don't even know. I, I mean, it's infuriating if you think about it often enough when something that should be something when something should be so simple as to say, look, you have the ability to ingest or not ingest something if you so choose to do it. Um, and then it's been criminalized for so long that they're going to go decriminalize it. And then all of a sudden they're going to put all these stipulations on it. Look, it's either legal or it's not. Right. right. Like that, that, mm-hmm. that I think is the problem because most of these elected officials end up using that leverage of essentially, mm-hmm. you know, uh, auctioning your rights back to you to be yeah. able to, you know, get their pound of flesh or to, you know, satisfy some kind of, you know, conflict of interest relationship that they have on the back end of that deal. Yeah. Um, but yep. yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll make another uh, personal confession too. Or that's also something I've never tried. I've never really been interested but you know as i've thought about it over the years it's like well but why should i stop anyone else i mean mm-hmm. it's it's not my right to do that as far as i'm yep. concerned this is this is just like just like the gun uh, legislation i mean gun, you know 2a gun ownership and and freedom you know for marijuana or other drugs you know this is all this is all human rights and this is yep. a choice this is this is something again you know not nearly above my pay grade to deal with. And it's, it's to me, a very straightforward and simple answer. You have to allow the people to do what they want to do. Yeah. I, it sounds like you stand for a principle as opposed to just being a Republican who likes to smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. The, I know what some of the libertarian parties have that rap, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, the logic and, and it's interesting because I mean, in, in my younger days, I mean, a couple of folks I did know who, who use the marijuana, quite a bit I mean, it did impact their their life some but i mean back then we didn't have the information we have today people overdid things that they don't overdo so much anymore and you know to me it was a bit of an evolution but i came to the point of saying yeah you know we should better educate everybody again what 
I feel the government's primary role is. We should provide information, provide you know, the ability for informed choices, but then not be everybody's parent. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, it's funny, you know, when you're a teenager, right? What, what do you want to do? Get away from your parents. Say, Leave me alone. I want to do this myself. And now everybody in the state almost is so used to this big government thing. It's like, I want, I want the government to be my parent. It's like, how did yeah. that happen? How did it go in reverse like that? I mean, all of us, you know, when we were younger, we we're screaming for the opportunity to live our own lives. And now we just, I mean, a lot of people in this state have forfeited that. And I mean, it's partly the COVID thing with the fear, but it's also just the the idea that oh, you know, I, you know, if the if the government can take care of it for me, then why should I bother with it? Let them do it, then I have one less thing to worry about myself. Well, you know, this is your life. You know, you should be worried about all these things. It should matter to you, and it is worth your time and effort to deal with it yourself. You're the best decision maker for your life. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very dangerous habit to get into to defer those things all the time, especially when it goes to government, because, you know, the decisions are going to get made for you and they're not going to be in your best interest. Um, I, I think we've seen that time and time and time again throughout history. Um, all right. Let me give you uh, one last pitch. Why should people vote for you? Well, I think, you know, along the lines of everything we've said tonight, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, nobody else in the government and no one else running cares about you. You know, all the, all the people of New Jersey, I mean, we, we are trying to put you first, like it's supposed to be, you know, far back as the, the federal constitution, New Jersey state constitution. I mean, it's to limit government's involvement in your life. And this is what has to, you know, we have to come back to. We have to stop all the out of control spending and, and red tape and, and bloating of government at everyone's expense, making it impossible to stay here without giving up half your earnings to all kinds of things that are just money wasters. And, uh, you know, again, enable people. We need to educate and enable and train people to take charge of their own lives and everyone will be better off. Everyone. Yeah. It'll have a yeah. ripple effect throughout the whole state the whole economy, the whole state, you know, for quality of life, everything. And we're the only ones that are going to be in a position to do that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, for anyone who's still on the live cast, if you end up watching the recorded version of this, please remember to share this and get this out there so that folks can learn a little bit more about Greg and his platform. Also, make sure to go over to his website, Mealy for Governor, M-E-L-E, for the word for for governor.com um, make sure to hit the donate button and throw a couple of shekels his way um, we don't love fiat currency and modern monetary you know uh, monetary theory but uh, look uh, you need some bucks in order to run for office so definitely hit the donate button and if you are a New Jersey resident go over and click the petition button digitally sign this make sure Greg can get on to the ballot um, easily um, and hopefully we can get enough signatures quickly so that we can hit the campaign uh, you know hit the campaign trail and get some you know more awareness about Greg's campaign and what he can do for New Jersey so with that, Greg, I want to say thank you. I appreciate it. I know your time is valuable. I appreciate the chance to come on and talk with you, Matt. It's always a pleasure to see you and uh, you know, the chance to you know, let people know what we're about. I mean, this is priceless. Thank you. Awesome. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, look, everyone, have a very good evening. I appreciate you guys hanging in there as well. I will be back Monday, and uh, have a very good weekend. Have a good one, Greg. All right, thanks. You guys all have a good weekend. Take care. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in. This is a quick reminder to subscribe, like, share, and comment to help get the message of liberty and freedom in front of as many folks as possible. See you next time on Why Libertarian. Thank you.